Turn this morning to uh, Psalm 148. Looking at our Psalm of the Month for October this morning, and then next week we'll come back to our series in Acts, in Acts chapter 2. Our catechism famously begins, what is the chief end of man? That's the first question, and, and the, 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 what is the highest purpose? What is uh, man created for? And the answer, of course, is to glorify and enjoy God forever. Uh, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And this is a psalm that reminds us of that purpose. In fact, it points to that fact, that the fact that the entire universe was created to, in fact, in, in some sense, does enjoy and praise God, its creator God. Uh, we're here at, at the very end, near the very end of the Psalter. In, in my Bible, I'm on the last page uh, of uh, the book of Psalms. The Psalter is full of all kinds of prayers to God uh, for, for singing, um, all kinds of emotions, complaints, struggles, uh, laments, imprecations, meditations, uh, and the final book of the Psalter, uh, the book, the, the Psalm, book of Psalms is, is five, made up of five books. As you know, the final book is particularly focused on praise, uh, largely focused on praise. And uh, as such, the, the Psalter is, is roughly, over those five books, roughly arranged as many of the Psalms are arranged. Many of the Psalms begin with some kind of trouble or struggle and bringing that to the Lord, some sadness or something, and then wrestling through that, and then being reminded of the faithfulness of the Lord, and then it ends in, in trust and, and often in great praise. And again, the, the whole Psalter is, is somewhat roughly arranged like that as well. If you look at the last five Psalms of, of the book of Psalms here, Psalm 146 uh, through the end, uh, every one of them begins and ends with praise the Lord. Look at Psalm 146, verse 1, praise the Lord. Verse 10, praise the Lord. Psalm 147, praise the Lord. And then it ends, verse 20, praise the Lord. Uh, all of them like that. They all begin and end with het, uh, Hallel et Yahweh, or the, the shortened version that we're familiar with, Hallelujah. Uh, and, and Psalm 148 has this word praise 14 times. 14 times uh, we're told to praise. Uh, so as we read uh, this psalm, here's, here's the basic outline of the psalm to look for. Uh, two basic things. The, the beginning is uh, calling uh, for praise from the heavens. Um, and not just heaven. It begins there where, where God is enthroned. Uh, but everything above us, sort of. right? Clouds and stars and, and everything. And then reasons are given, verses 5 and 6. And then... The psalm goes on to call for praise from the earth, and then reasons are given for that as the psalm closes. Okay? And, and all the things that are listed in this psalm called, called to praise God are roughly in descending order from the heavens uh, all the way down uh, through mountains and hills and uh, the an animals uh, to, to humans, uh, even boys and girls are mentioned. Okay, so listen uh, for that as we read. Psalm 148, hear God's word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all stars of light. Praise him highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. 
Praise them, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven, and he has lifted up a horn for his people. Praise for all his godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. So let's begin with this uh, call to the heavens to praise. Uh, Verse 1, again, Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Basically, again, encompasses everything in the atmosphere and up, including, although not not literally spatially up from all of us, including heaven, uh, the the dwelling of God uh, in the scriptures. Uh, Verse 2 mentions his angels and his hosts. Both of those are references to angels, uh, God's heavenly messengers and servants. Uh, they're also spoken of in the Bible as, as an army. That's, that's what host means, the army of heaven. Uh, we don't know a lot about what angels do. Angels, we, we read about them here and there in the Bible, uh, fulfilling certain tasks, but we don't know a lot about how they serve God, but we know they exist to worship him, uh, to glorify him. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. Uh, his armies. We're reminded that uh, the praise of God begins in the presence of God in heaven. And the army of God, uh, myriads of heavenly warriors, are praising their creator. And, and it's incredible to think that our praise this morning joins together with theirs, uh, with the army of heaven. Uh, verse 3 goes on, praise him sun and moon, praise him all stars of light. And just pause for a minute and think about this part of God's creation, how it praises him. Uh, there, there are at least, by estimates of people who know about these things, at least 100 billion stars just in our galaxy, uh, just in the Milky Way. Uh, some estimates are 2 or 3 billion stars. Uh, and then there are estimated to be billions of galaxies. And, and most of those having hundreds of millions of stars uh, in each of them. Which means the number of stars is, is basically incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible to me. Uh, it, it's been compared by scientists to the number of grains of sand on all the beaches on the earth. Uh, something like that. And, and there's a reference like that in the scriptures as well. There, there are just, and these are just the stars in the galaxies that we can see through telescopes. Right? The, the, the universe might be billions of times bigger than we think it is or than what we can see. We don't know. Uh, We live near to just one star, uh, relatively near, right? Uh, And our star, we call it the sun, is a rather modest-sized star, uh, and yet it's a million times bigger than our our great Earth. Uh, We reflect on these things, the size of the universe, the beauty of the stars, the the brilliance and the warmth of our star, uh, of the sun, and the life-giving energy of it, and it all gives praise to God. I saw verse 4 goes on, um, and the waters that are above the heavens, uh, the the clouds 
give glory to God. Uh, precipitation, the water cycle, the, the beauty and the function of the, crowd, of the clouds is what we're called uh, to see. So, the heavens. Secondly, uh, the earth is called to praise. Looking at number two on your outline, uh, the earth is called to praise. Look at verse seven. Praise the Lord from the earth, uh, sea monsters, and all deeps. Um, it's, as, as I said again, there, there's a, generally a progression from the heavens, the angels, you know, all the way down uh, to, to humans. And so th- this is the one item in this psalm that seems maybe a little out of place. We've, we've skipped, we haven't come to the mountains and the hills yet, and we're, we're to the sea monsters already here in verse 7. Um, and so it's not exactly clear why there's one thing that seems sort of out of place here, but one, one suggestion uh, is that it's, it's perhaps polemical. Uh, because in that day, the major rival false god to the true god was Baal. Um, and Baal worshippers connected the power of Baal, particularly to the deep ocean and to sea monsters and so on. So uh, perhaps they're be sort of being put in their place here. Um, but verse 8 goes on to point us to all sorts of meteorological phenomena. We think of the power of um, a hurricane or the refreshment of rain, or the shaking of thunder, the the brilliance of lightning, uh, the quiet beauty of snowfall, um, all playing a part in praising God and reflecting his his power and his creativity, uh, his wisdom. All of them do his will, it says. And then verse 9, mountains and all hills. We think of Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world, all the way to, in Florida, we used to live near Mount Dora, uh, 180 feet elevation, um, and everything in between. Uh, some of them are desert. Some of them are covered with, with pine trees, and uh, some of them right now are in brilliant fall colors. The, the rest of verse 9, fruit trees and cedars. We think of uh, orange trees and almond trees and redwoods in, in myriad ways, trees praising God, providing us with, with beauty and shade and lumber and juicy fruits and nuts and beautiful flowers. And verse 10 points us to think of every kind of animal, uh, lions and moose to chipmunks and butterflies and eagles, and, and we could list them endlessly in seeing the glory of God reflected. Finally, these, uh, cre- the, the, the psalm turns to those who are created in the very image of God uh, with, with the capacity to know this God uh, and serve him consciously to love him for who he is for all the good gifts that he gives Um, of course mankind verse 11 kings of all the earth and all peoples princes and all judges of the earth both young men and virgins old men and children it it points us to think of people of all levels and status and uh, socioeconomic status and power and 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 so on no one is left out all are created to praise God. Um, the psalm includes world leaders and, and judges and young men and women, and, and you kids are mentioned in this psalm as well. Right? God created you kids to praise him, to enjoy him, to worship him, to know him, uh, to thank him. So the psalm then points us to uh, reasons uh, for all these calls to praise, uh, the, all these, these descriptions of the fact that God's uh, whole universe, the entire universe, all of his creation praises him, gives glory to him. So two reasons God is worthy to be praised constantly by the entire 
universe. So first, looking at number three on your outline, God's worthiness as creator. Psalm points us to God's worthiness as creator. Verse 5, particularly. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he, cre- he commanded and they were created. Uh, there's, there's no one, there's nothing else that it makes sense to worship in this universe. And we should understand that humans are all naturally, in some sense, worshipers. Right? Even if, even if you're not, someone is not consciously worshiping a, a god with a name, um, they, they, everyone gives their lives to something or someone or some purpose. And this psalm is emphasizing that the, the only one there is to worship ultimately is the Lord, the true God. Now, everything else we might pursue or trust in or hang our hat on or worship is simply created by him. And one of the main points of this psalm is the reminder that we must worship the creator rather than simply the creation, what he has created. Uh, think about the, the list, again, of, of all the things the psalmist lists here, from, from the heavens all the way down uh, to the earth. Most of those things in the list can't literally or rationally respond with praise to God. Can't literally rationally know God and love him and, and respond in praise. Uh, they're all described as praising God as, as a literary device of sorts that points us to a couple of things. One is that everything is created for the glory of God. However it does that, however it points us to the glory of God. Another thing it points us to is that, that God alone is exalted. Everything is created by him and is, is under obligation. It exists, in fact, to give glory to him. And, and perhaps the most significant way that all of these things, even in the inanimate things that can't literally know God, uh, give praise to God is by drawing praise from you and from me. You, you see the majesty of a mountain. You see the, the beauty of, of golden aspens or birds flying or whatever it is, and you give praise to God. But what have humans done with that since the fall? Romans 1, Paul describes worshiping what is created rather than the creator. That's the natural tendency of sinful humans, of all of us, to create false gods, to create idols, to worship what is created rather than the creator. Why is that? Well, if you acknowledge and worship the true God, you're accountable to him, right? He's in charge. But if you create a God, a purpose, if you create a meaning for your life, then, then you are in charge, at least in your own mind. You can shape things however you want to. And so the practice of rejecting and, and escaping worship of the true God is, is as old as Adam and Eve's sin. That is, that's basically what they did. How do people do this? How do they escape the the worship of the true God. They do it, of course, by creating false gods, named false gods, Baal and Zeus and Jupiter and, and many others in history. Uh, people do it by worshiping the creation. That You think of the, the ancient practice of worshiping uh, or thinking, uh, imagining our lives are guided by the stars and the planets and astrology. And you might think, well, my neighbors don't, you know, my unbelieving neighbors don't worship idols or the stars or things like that. Uh, people do this by distorting the true God, uh, creating a God that, that bears some relation to the, the truth of the God of the Bible, 
the God of Islam or the God of Mormons, or we're going to study in our, our second hour today uh, the rise of cults in the 19th century. But, but no one is excluded from doing this. What about non-religious people? Some people essentially worship politics or power. Uh, many look to science, a, a godless science, as that which solves all problems or that which gives meaning or understanding as a final authority. And, and many take that further even today to you know, consider the earth sacred and, and humans are inherently the, the cancer that's destroying sacred mother earth. Uh, the, the god of science has, has led to its being actually illegal in many schools to even suggest that anything is created uh, by God. And all of these things, the, the common denominator idol is self. It's all ultimately about uh, creating a God, a, a religion in the image of ourselves. To worship anything that is mere creation rather than creator is ultimately to worship self. To create reality and religion in our own image, and our own authority. Look also at verse 6. It says, he has also established them forever and ever. He's made a decree which will not pass away. That, that points to the, the order, the natural law that God in his infinite wisdom has built into creation. Uh, physics with gravity and positive and negative forces and, and, and on and on. Or meteorolo- meteorology and the water cycle or biology. And, and its incredible laws and support of life. And, and we could go on and on and on. And all of this is what gives us a, a studyable, predictable science. It's, it's not that which disproves God or should be worshipped as God, but it's from God. Right? The creation is, uh, including its, its fixed, ordered nature, uh, points only to an infinitely wise and powerful and good God. Paul, again, describes uh, how this is what all people see in the creation in Romans 1. He says, for what can be known about God is plain to them, to those who are, are suppressing this truth, uh, because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. God has revealed as creator is worthy as creator. That leads us to the second reason the psalm gives us then to praise God. God's worthiness as redeemer. God's worthiness as redeemer. Look again at the list that the psalmist gives us. All the things that are called to praise God. We have uh, angels at the top and, and humans at the bottom. And these are the only, the only pieces of this list, again, that can consciously, rationally know God and love God and, and praise him. Um, the only part of the creation that can even begin to comprehend how infinitely powerful and wise and good and, and infinitely worthy their creator is of worship. And yet, with the exception of some angels, what have they done? Right? They've rejected him. They've refused to give their lives. They've refused to give their worship to God. Uh, that this is the, the sinful condition of all of humanity. Uh, again, in some of the angels, our, our sin is not just a matter of some, some slip-ups, as, as R.C. Sproul has described. It's, it's cosmic treason because of who our Creator God is. And so all people, because they do not live for the praise of God, who gave himself for them, who gave himself to them, 
gave them life. They deserve death. They, they don't deserve to be sustained by God's power. We, we deserve to be left to the, the suffering and misery that we've chosen in our, in our perversity and our foolishness. We deserve separation from this good and holy God that, that we have rejected. And so the psalm points us lastly to God's grace in a couple of ways. Look at verse 14. Uh, first where it says, And he has lifted up a horn for his people. Lifted up a horn for his people. That's an image that's used throughout the Psalter. Psalm 89, for example, says, By your favor, our horn is exalted. Uh, Later in the Psalm, uh, God says, My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. Uh, That's kind of a foreign uh, image to us. What does it mean for, for someone's horn to be exalted or God to lift up the horn of his people? Well, it's, it's symbolic in the scriptures in the ancient world of, of honor and strength, simply. And it's a rather simple symbol, uh, a horn on, for example, a bull or a ram is a powerful weapon, right? Or it's, or it's a tool for wielding strength and power over against another animal, right? Defending yourself, maybe, or something. Um, and, and it also just adds to the the majestic appearance of animals with great horns, right? Uh, so to raise the horn is an ancient figure of speech from the animal world, this symbolic of, of acquiring strength and honor, uh, like, like an animal with, with big horns. Uh, Hebrew also has an idiom for, for the opposite, for being humiliated or weakened. That's cutting a horn off. Um, there, there, there are references like that in the scriptures as well. When, when men exalt their horn, Psalm 75, God steps in and snaps it off. Right? God is the one who exalts uh, those who humble themselves before him, exalts their horn. Uh, Psalm 132 is another example. God's promise there is to make a horn sprout for David. I have prepared my lamp for my anointed, he says. That's my, my Messiah uh, in the Hebrew. Uh, that, that is, Psalm 132 anticipates a, a descendant of David, a, a king to come, whom God would provide honor and strength for his people through that person. He, he would raise their horn uh, through a descendant of David. Um, honor where they had shame, strength where they had weakness. Uh, and of course, that's the hope for the Messiah, for Jesus. Again, what did mankind deserve? We deserve death and separation from this holy God. But it's because of Jesus dying on the cross in the place of sinners and and suffering that separation in our place. That God can lift your horn in the the language of the Psalms, can give you honor instead of shame. For a people who are too wicked and too weak to save themselves, who are infinitely insufficient to to bear the judgment of God, uh, God himself became your strength by, by joining you to his son, Jesus as your Savior and King. It's because of that that God can speak, secondly, of his, his grace to his people in, in verse 14. Uh, it says, Praise for his godly ones, even the sons of Israel, a people near to him. A people near to him. Uh, Psalm 73 ends with uh, the confession, Behold, those who are far from you shall perish. But you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near to God. I want you to think about the, 
the progression of this psalm and, and how that, that statement should stand out to us over against the progression of this psalm. The, the vast universe, it begins in the heaven, uh, in, in heaven, right? The angels who are closer to God, in a sense, than, than anything in their, their role and their holiness. And then it, it turns our mind to the stars, uh, down to the massive mountains and thunderstorms and, and the ocean, and we come eventually to the infinitesimally, comparatively, the infinitesimally small and unspeakably wicked uh, human race. Uh, very far at that point from, from the heavens where we began. And angels with God. And yet some of these people at the end of the psalm are said to be near to God. They are the ones that are said to be near to God. Loved and blessed in, in a way, even uh, biblically, above the angels. By God's sheer grace, blessed knowing union with Christ. Those who have believed God and confessed their sin and rebellion and weakness have believed Jesus is who he says he is, their need of salvation. Uh, they are those who know God's worthiness, not only because he's their creator, that, that makes him infinitely worthy of our worship, uh, but because he's redeemer as well. And that's you. You are those who understand God's double worthiness, uh, in a sense, doubly infinite worthiness um, of your praise. Not only because he created you and gave you life and gave you this creation to enjoy, gave you himself to enjoy. That would be enough. But he loved you when you were unlovely. He, He loved you when you would not love him. When you were not grateful. When you wanted to worship and serve yourself. He suffered for you and with you to show you how much he loved you, to to recreate you in his image, to drag you out of darkness and death and and adopt you into his family. So whoever you are, this psalm lists old and young and rich and poor and powerful and not whatever. You are those in all the universe who have the capacity to know him and to live out who you were created and redeemed Uh, to be to the glory of God and and to your eternal good and enjoyment of him. Uh, So let's pray and then we'll we'll sing this psalm and praise uh, to him as it calls for together. Our Lord God, uh, you are worthy of all praise and worship. Uh, We ask you this morning that you would help us to see your worthiness in your creation as we see the the brilliant sun and feel its warmth and uh, see the mountains and birds and stars and and, uh, we could go on infinitely in these things that reflect your glory uh, help us to see your worthiness in your redemption more and more Lord in in loving us when we were unlovely Uh, not just giving us forgiveness and a a blank slate but giving us uh, riches of grace and adoption as children in Christ And we pray that our lives would be to your praise and glory this week. And we pray all this in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen.